for a variety of reasons, we might not be able to operate at 110%, right? And shouldn't. Um, and so human sizing expectations is a huge part of that. Um, and kind of recognizing that we'll miss out on many things in life and in our businesses. That's, that's the nature of being a finite person. this episode of the Creators Community Podcast, we'll meet Ashley Berghoff, founder and CEO of A Squared Online. We'll learn how careers don't always move in a straight line, but if you follow your passion, you can ultimately find your purpose. Then we'll see how Ashley took her lessons and transferred them into creating a coaching and consulting business with a mission to give entrepreneurs their lives back. We'll then follow Ashley's journey to how ultimately this led her to publishing her new book, Eureka Results. Check it out. Welcome to the first season of the Creator Community. This is a brand new podcast offering from book publisher New Degree Press. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,000 published authors. Incredible. In this show, we will get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea to being available to wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task. Today I have with me Ashley Berghoff, author of Eureka Results. Ashley has an MBA from Georgetown University, is a master of systems and the founder of her consulting and coaching company, A Squared Online. She believes that without a powerful systems and effective delegation, entrepreneurial freedom is impossible. Ashley's proprietary approach helps lifestyle-driven online entrepreneurs recapture the freedom they started their business to experience. Her team turns overwhelmed solopreneurs into CEOs by enabling coaches, copywriters, marketers, creatives, and consultants to turn their best ideas into reality without burnout. Ashley recognizes the power of a slower pace of living in our modern world. International travel, mac and cheese, philosophical conversations, and boxing gloves add zest to her life. Ashley enjoys adventuring with her family and camping in the Rocky Mountains. She recently published her book, Eureka Results, and it's available wherever you buy books online. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. It's such a joy and honor to be here. It's really, it's really great to have you. You know, to get started, I think it's nice for folks to learn a little bit more about you. Could you share with us a bit about your background and your career? You know, how does one going? I was really surprised when I was looking into your background. I didn't know you had uh, done work in international justice. How do you go from work in international justice to becoming a, a coach and consultant to entrepreneurs? That is a great question. <laughs> and it definitely was not a straight line by any stretch of the imagination. I graduated with an English degree, no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I knew I was passionate about the work of this organization called International Justice Mission. I had learned about them in college. Um, they're the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. And I knew they had an internship program, but that they were based in DC. And I just swore up and down, I would never live in DC. <laughs> um, but after working through all of that, I applied, was accepted into the program and started. Um, an internship in DC before living overseas uh, for a year in the Philippines. And um, it was a very difficult, but very meaningful year. And one of the things I discovered through that experience is that I really loved structuring and organizing things. I kind of ended up tossed into a recruiter role. I had never done that work before. And by the time I left, I had this whole onboarding manual and all these checklists and job description templates and, you know, 
agendas for interviews and all these things that I left behind. Um, and as I was coming back and started a job in kind of administration in a staffing firm, I realized that project management was the thing I most enjoyed and the thing I found really natural. And so I started focusing more on more on that and um, was still passionate about international development, but was told by a lot of people that if I wanted to pursue that space, I should get a degree in something else and then pursue international development from DC. So I ended up back in DC again uh, to go to Georgetown for my MBA. Um, And so that was my goal really was to work in international development Um, over the course of that you know, few year process, I, uh, my priorities shifted, my focus shifted, um, really started thinking about what it would look like to raise a family. And so entrepreneurship started to look more and more appealing. And so project management became a really natural thing to, to try to see if I could work with creative entrepreneurs who hate that side of things um, and bring that kind of organizational, operational nerdiness to bear for small business owners. So that's kind of the winding road that got me there um, where, you know, being able to manage projects became this through line in all of these different industries I worked in. Um, but it definitely was not something I knew going in at all was going to be the route I would take. Uh, what a fascinating story and what a uh, winding journey. I love it. But it reminds me of advice this brilliant woman gave me a couple of years ago when I was thinking about heading in a new direction. And she said, immerse yourself in something that's interesting to you and your value proposition will manifest itself. And it sounds mm-hmm. like that happened for you and that you were doing this work in international justice. You're in the Philippines. They needed help getting things more organized and you gravitated to that space. And I'm sure helped them immensely. Fair statement. I hope so. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I bet it was really meaningful. Um, we had a, a conference a few years ago where all of the global staff for the organization came to Texas for the first time. They brought the entire global staff together. And there were several people there that I got to reconnect with who I had helped hire five years before. And so even though I had only been there for 10 months, it was just incredibly meaningful to have been some p- small part of their journey of then being in these roles and doing the incredible heroic work that they do. Um, so I was really grateful for that. That's really cool. A little alumni reunion. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you found this passion for yourself with helping people get more organized. Brilliant. You know, and, and this ties to this concept you talk a lot about in your, in your book about burnout and helping entrepreneurs with burnout. Is there a story you could share about maybe an example of how this concept of becoming more of a product manager, you've been able to help an entrepreneur uh, work through burnout or work beyond it? Yeah. So um, in a lot of ways, my very first client was myself. I'm a type A person. I am very, you know, have a natural tendency towards pushing myself too far, working too hard um, and those sorts of things. And so I, I, when I started my business, I thought I was very good at time management. And I was in the sense that I was able to keep all of my commitments and accomplish a lot of things in an efficient manner. But what I was not good at was doing that in a way that was sustainable for my life, for um, experiencing quality of life on the journey of entrepreneurship. And I really thought that, you know, on the other side of some milestone or other, it would appear that I would be able to relax a little bit. And I realized over time, both in my own experience and working with other entrepreneurs, that arrival isn't a thing. It doesn't exist. And so we're always in the middle we're always pushing towards something new, always at the edge of our own skills and our own comfort. 
And so um, I needed to learn to, to be happy and to um, experience the lifestyle I wanted now rather than waiting for some future moment. And so um, in kind of working through all of that with myself, I started having more and more of those conversations with clients. And um, one client who comes to mind uh, this year, we actually started working together. And when she first came to me, she had started a business as a CFO. So she was doing bookkeeping and bill pay and just everything money related for several clients and was doing an incredible job. So I was having more and more people coming through the door and she was drowning. She was in over her head, didn't feel like she had any kind of quality of life. She was working all of the time. And we just started talking about these things, you know, thinking about her business differently, setting boundaries differently, communicating with her clients differently, um, and preparing her business to be able to start building a team as well. Um, and just even in that process, she got to a point where she came on a call and was like, I, I got my life back. I feel like I got my life back. You know, I had a weekend for the first time in forever. This is amazing. Let's keep this going. And so um, now she's just enjoying a nice low key summer. And that was really cool to see that sometimes it's not some big revolutionary shift in the way they're doing life. It can be just starting to think about things a little bit differently and trying some things until something starts to work and then starting to see that they can have weekends, that they can have unplugged time away as an entrepreneur without having to wait for some future moment. Right. That so many, I think, wait for this moment, as you said, to arrive, it's going to magically appear and suddenly your life's mm-hmm. going to be, have all this freedom and, and excess time. And of course, doesn't happen by chance, right? No. And so your concept, I love this idea of setting boundaries because uh, as an entrepreneur, it's easy to work a hundred hours a week because you just keep thinking more and more things to do and maybe never delegate yep. and get these things done. How, how do you help people break through that? That's, a, a, you know, help them sort of get past that hurdle because I'm sure it's a big one. It's a huge one. And um, one of the things we talk about a lot is human sizing our expectations for ourselves. Um, when I first started my business, I had a to-do list of 75 things on it. And those 75 things were marked as some present due date, whether it be in the past or today or tomorrow, very present. And one thing I discovered about a list of 75 things like that is it never gets shorter. It absolutely never gets shorter because the second you knock something else off, a new item gets added. And that is how most entrepreneurs operate. Every idea they have, every something that someone told them they should try or do lands right on their to-do list. And they think that if they're not getting ahead, if they're not tackling all these things, they must be a failure. But it's just this impossible impossible attempt, right? Um, they're expecting kind of the superhuman, perfect, flawless level of productivity that just doesn't, it's not real. And so a lot of what we do is talk about human sizing those things back down. And that comes with a sense in some ways of being willing to be disappointed in the short term to look at your schedule for the next week and say, seriously, you only think I can accomplish these three things. I can, I've got to be able to do more. This is crazy. Um, but then when we get through the week and they've accomplished those three things and they felt great and they gave themselves a chance to win, it gets a lot easier than in future weeks to calibrate our expectations down to what's realistic, um, especially at different seasons of life, right? Where um, for a variety of reasons, we might not be able to operate at 110%, right? And shouldn't. Um, and so human sizing expectations is a huge part of that. Um, and kind of recognizing that 
we'll miss out on many things in life and in our businesses. That's, that's the nature of being a finite person. And when we accept that, then it becomes easier to say, okay, this isn't, this isn't for now. You know, I'm going to put this on a list to come back to later, but it's not, it's not for today. It's not for this year, maybe even. I really appreciate that concept, human sizing something. Let's be realistic. There's only one of me. I can only mm-hmm. get so many things done in the week, but at the same time, helping them establish tangible goals so they can feel like they are making progress and moving forward right. and seeing what those activities can result. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that story. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your book now, if we could. You know, how does, how does a book journey, what does it look like for you? How did you fit it into your life? How did you even come to the program? Love to uh, share with our listeners just how that journey went for you. Yeah, I um, learned about Eric through a friend when I was still in school and joined his free five-week course that he was doing at the time and loved the concept of becoming a creator. That's not something that I had ever really thought about for myself Um, and just thought about that and always had that in the back of my head. But if I remember the timing right, when I first met with him about potentially joining the program, I was six months pregnant, I think. Um, so I was not in any position to be taking on a project like this. Um, and so last summer really, you know, with COVID kind of slowing the entire world down and my daughter being one and all of those things, it seemed like a good opportunity to jump in and try. And the concept of my book was very different at the time. It was a lot about living in this messy middle. What does it look like to navigate that? Um, and it kind of evolved over time to what it is now, which was much more of a field guide around using systems to make your ideas happen. But um, it was fun to kind of dive in with a general idea and to have permission to do that. Um, Eric really set it up that you didn't have to know your thesis walking in and maybe you shouldn't know your thesis walking in. And so um, I'm really glad that I had the structure that he gave us um, to be able to work through it in the course of the 10 months of the program. I mean, it's much like a startup, right? It can be overwhelming to look at a book and say, where do I even begin? Uh, (laughs) In in my book journey, I had a number of old friends send me notes that said, I've been trying to write a book for 10 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've never gotten past chapter two, you know, this kind of Mm -hmm. thing. How did you do this? And having that structure, I think, is just so important. And what Eric Custer and the Creator Institute have brought, I think, is, is just extraordinary. And I love the fact that you started that with one idea, but much like call it lean startup, you built it, you measured, you learned, and you made some pivots along the way and landed on mm-hmm. the concept that you did, Eureka Results. So, so how, you know, why did you write this book and, 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 you know, why, why now does it need to be out there in the world? Do you think? Yeah. So I, in a lot of ways by accident ended up in this space in the entrepreneurship world that's populated by freelancers and lifestyle driven businesses, right? People who started service businesses because they wanted autonomy because they were burning out in the corporate context, whatever the reason might have been. Um, My very first client started her business after her daughter was born with a hole in her heart and she needed that Mm. extra time to be there for her daughter, right? So there were all these different reasons. And one of the things that I had found was that this space and this very rapidly growing group of people um, is quite different in their goals, in their needs, and how they talk and how they work to the startup space. And the startup space is a lot of what we naturally think about when we think about entrepreneurship, right? This idea of starting a business on a concept, growing it, and then selling it, and maybe doing it all over again, right? 
And it's just, it's a very different approach. And um, so I wanted to write something for the people that I was having the privilege to know either as clients or as members of the community and seeing where there was this piece of that, that process of making this transition away from throwing spaghetti at the wall and doing work that people will pay you for, right? (laughs) Hey, you can pay me to do that. Sure. I'll do that for you. And transitioning away from that to more of a stable structured business that can grow beyond them. That becomes an asset that they can sell that gives them the ability to unplug for periods of time while the business continues to run all of those things. That transition is very hard and there's not a whole lot of conversation around how to make that transition, how to live in that space. And so that was the original impetus for the idea. And over time and talking with people, it broadened beyond that one transition to entrepreneurship and how we live in it in general. But that was kind of the thing that I kept seeing was that we just didn't have a whole lot of resources for this particular transition for this particular group of people. And I love that you're specifically identifying a difference between traditional startups where you try to scale like crazy and maybe go rent a uh, raise a bunch of venture capital money. Mm-hmm. That's not what this model is about, right? This is more right. about helping that entrepreneur who's looking for a shift in life, wants to start a business they might own for 10, 15, 20, maybe longer years, right? Right, right. You yeah. know, the book, oh, please go ahead. No, you're, you're good. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say in the book, you talked about this shiny object syndrome. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, starting a new company, uh, you felt this a lot, right? What's this new shiny thing over there I can go after? Mm-hmm. So what we found is, is the best an- antidote to you know, getting beyond the, the shiny object syndrome. Right. Yeah. There were a couple of things that came out through the process of writing the book. Um, one of them in some ways harkens back to what we were talking about before in expectation setting. So one of the things that I found is that when we hear entrepreneurs tell their stories, they often focus on this eureka moment, which is part of where the title came from. You know, they'll say, oh, I was really struggling and things were really difficult. And I was living in my parents' basement. And then, and then it clicked. You know, I was in the shower one day and I knew exactly what needed to happen. Or I was talking to my coach and we just mind-blowing moment. And then everything was great. And we see this in movies a lot too. I use an example in one of my articles about uh, the story Mulan, right? Where we see her struggle, 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 struggle. And then in the course of one song, she goes from that to being the top of her class, the best warrior in the, the fighting, you know, command three minutes. Right. <laughs> and uh, so we often skip over the moment between all, everything that happens between Eureka moment and Eureka result. So what happens a lot is people have a Eureka moment. They set out boldly to make it happen. It doesn't happen like that. And they think the idea is a failure. And that makes that shiny object really, really tempting. Because now you're in the middle of this messy, gnarly, difficult space with your old idea. It is now not very shiny or fun anymore at all. This new idea, maybe this will be the one. Maybe this will be the thing that clicks everything into place and makes everything so much easier, right? So there can become this expectation of if if I just find the right new thing, everything will get easier and will click into place like it's supposed to, right? Um, So a lot of what I wanted to change in the book was that expectation um, to remember there's a whole journey between these things and to be prepared for that, to be mentally ready for that. So you're not as tempted by new shiny objects because you know they have their own journey on the other side of them. So that was one of them. 
And then another one, which was much more tactical um, that I talked to a lot of my clients about is taking their list of to-dos, which usually is just one big thing and splitting ideas from tasks. Because a lot of times people will have an idea and they put it on their to-do list and it just becomes far too large and people start new projects before they wrapped up other ones or really counted the cost of what it will mean to other projects if they start a new project. So we split new ideas from tasks and then keep tasks reserved to projects we've committed to for six weeks at a time, which doesn't seem like that long, but it's long enough to make good progress on a project, but short enough that you still have room to pivot, to try new things, to jump into a new idea that you're excited about, but not immediately, right? You give it a few weeks to cool down, um, and then you can make decisions about does this belong on my to-do list? Do I bring this off of my ideas list onto my to-do list? And am I okay with saying no to everything else to commit to this project for six weeks? And that has helped a lot in not forcing people to commit to, you know, one course of action for an entire year or anything else like that, but to not let new ideas that they're really excited about immediately land right there in the middle of everything else, because then they end up with a lot of half-finished projects they're really excited about and that never get finished. I love that concept of separating ideas from tasks, right? Because ideas, we can have them, especially entrepreneurs every day, come up Constantly. with a new 5, 10, 15 of them, mm-hmm. but then separating this idea of what do we actually need to get done today? And I think I think that's a, a brilliant uh, antidote to this shiny object uh, syndrome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. We talked a lot about you know entrepreneurs, how they can get caught up in this, I'll call it this hard work syndrome, if you if you will. And I think the way you talk about it in the book is, you know, if hard work isn't enough to make things happen, you know, what is it? How, how do you push a company forward if 100 hours in the week won't get it done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the things I'm a little bit frustrated about in the narrative around entrepreneurship. Um, you'll hear this a lot from, you know, high income, high visibility entrepreneurs, you know, follow your dreams, work hard, make sacrifices. And I just want to sit them down and say, do you really think that these entrepreneurs who are struggling are just not working as hard as you are because that's not the case at all. Um, Often they are working every bit as hard. It is not a lack of dedication. It is not a lack of tenacity. It is not that people are sitting around just waiting for things to land on their laps most of the time, right? And so the, the solution is not more time, more hard work, right? We're already working so hard. Um, And so that's why I wanted to say, all right, it's not that we need another eureka moment that's just going to click everything into place. It's not that we just need to be tougher and push harder. What's the third piece? And that's where I saw kind of underneath everything that was working for entrepreneurs, this idea of, of systems, of having structure, of having support where you're not using a bike when you have a car to get where you want to go, right? We don't have to just pedal harder um, when we have tools that will make all of our effort, you know, multiply its impact and last longer and stick for us in our businesses. So that's where my big idea of the power of systems came from in the book. Right. I mean, creating efficiency. So we're not doing the same thing over and over again. Right. And, and mm-hmm. when we could, when we could find an easier way to do it. Uh, right. I love that story. Uh, you know, so many entrepreneurs, as you alluded to earlier, 
move into this role and move into this stage in their career because they want to get freedom, right? They've worked for a big company mm-hmm. and they want to have more autonomy. And yet oftentimes they, they don't have it. So right. you know, why, why do you think that is? I know there's that very famous phrase, right? Entrepreneurs are the people who work 80 hours a week for themselves, so they don't have to work 40 for someone else. And oh, it comes from, I like I think, yeah, <laughs> it comes from this idea. I think that, um, you know, people really get out there and they're willing to do what it takes to keep that freedom of, of work, right? They want to do the work they want to do. Um, and that's really powerful. And most entrepreneurs are determined to not go back, Right. Um, but there's this other element of time freedom that it's often part of the draw that we lose in the process of that. Um, for a lot of the reasons we've talked about, right? To-do lists, you never reach the bottom of them. A lot of times we think we can push hard enough and, and get to the bottom of that bucket and it's not a thing that can happen. Um, you know, working really hard on things over and over and over again, right? Restarting projects, making the same decisions again, um, doing a lot of work that then goes out of the business and you don't get to keep any of that for strengthening your own business, you know, those sorts of things um, can just make it really, really hard to feel like you're making any progress at all. And so that's where it becomes a very active process as an entrepreneur to learn how to take your time back. Um, Because many of us were never taught that. Um, We've all been raised in school and work environments where a lot of the way our time is spent is dictated by someone else, right? Um, Your kids are telling, your parents are telling you when it's time for naps, switches to your teachers are telling you when it's time to read, switches to your professors telling you when it's time to write your paper, right? And so when we become an entrepreneur and there's no outside voices, then we can, in a lot of ways, end up victim to our own worst habits of how we spend our time. Um, how we make decisions, how we move projects forward. And it becomes this ongoing journey of then learning how to become a leader and an agent in the way we spend our time and the way we protect the things that matter. And a lot of those things are time away from the business, time with our families, time to unplug, time to refresh. And that time, you know, is never going to naturally appear. And so we have to actively learn to fight for it and protect it. And it's hard to learn. That is really, I love that idea. It's it's been ingrained in us our whole lives, right? We're mm-hmm. always told what boundaries to have and through school and education and then at our jobs. Yeah, now you're completely on your own. How do you establish those boundaries when you have to keep working in your mind to get done what you need to get done? Uh, mm-hmm. So systems, incredibly important. You know, is there a point you found in your career, your journey where you really saw this passion or you know, maybe had a eureka result from your own passion around systems and, and you know, what you, what you found you like about them? Yeah, it was actually really fascinating to me. And it's something that, you know, in the Creator Institute, we talked about a little bit, but I didn't understand until I experienced it myself, how, how much the process of writing the book um, became incredibly powerful for me, not just for, you know, articulating what I was thinking, but also helping me develop and deepen what I was thinking and why and why it mattered and um, where I wanted to plant my flag. And so I feel like where I am now, so much of my passion for this came from that process of investing so much time in talking to people about this subject in particular with the goal of, of learning and writing and processing ideas and putting them together. Right. Um, So even if, 
no one wrote the book, it would have been incredible or no one read the book. It would have been incredibly helpful for me for that reason, because I was, I was passionate about those things in a, in a somewhat vague way. Um, I was starting to see these patterns or I recognized just my own natural inclination to organize things. And I like to do that for people. And I saw how that was helpful. Um, but I didn't have the frameworks with which to think about it or articulate it to other people. And it's not a topic that's, that most people are passionate about. Right? <laughs> and so I needed to learn how to talk about it in a way that people could see like, Oh, this could be really cool actually. Now that you say that. Um, so I, want to keep writing, even if it's not in book form for the sake of continuing to deepen how I'm learning about these things and my own passion for them. Being a big fan of lifelong learning, I really appreciate that story because, you know, I found as a leader in helping others, if you get someone to teach others or have to articulate what it is they're thinking about, it just makes them think more deeply about it. Right. And it's awesome Mm -hmm. to have that own experience through your own journey. Thanks for sharing that. So when you think about Eureka results, you know, what would you say, what, what is a key message or lesson you really want people to take away from this book that, that go and find it online? That's a great question. I think, you know, the biggest thing that I hope, you know, people who are learning about the book or reading the book really walk away with is this understanding that this can be for me, right? A lot of people that I talk with feel like they've failed too many times that they've tried to do this too many times and it's not worked that they just can't, right. That they can't succeed in this way and that they'll always be in this spot. And so the biggest thing that I want to communicate always, you know, through the book itself, but also even for people who are considering it is that, you know, you don't have to become an operations nerd like me at all. Most, you know, most people won't and shouldn't, (laughs) um, our world would be way too, too, uh, Something or, I organized, <laughs> over organized, and kind of boring. Um, but I, you know, that systems are a skill like any other that we can learn, that we can build muscles in that space um, for the purpose of living the life that we most want to live. Right? It doesn't have to be about efficiency for its own sake or productivity for its own sake. It's about knowing what we want our life to look like and having the tools to actually live that life instead of feeling like we're reacting to the life that's being kind of put on us. And so, um, you know, hope that is possible that this is something that we can do even in a culture that's very focused on work, 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 you know, and be productive and get ahead or else, you know, that sort of thing that we can do something different. This concept of intentionality and being organized and really it's, it's, I think if I could summarize this, it's all about taking ownership of your life and your time and creating Mm -hmm. boundaries for yourself and having a roadmap as opposed to just constantly being sort of caught in the wind, if you will, Mm -hmm. such important lessons. And I'm sure so many entrepreneurs have benefited from, from your coaching lessons and many will benefit from your book. If if actually, if if people want to learn more about you or your book, where, where can they go find information about you? Yeah. Yeah. So the book lives at eurekaresultsbook.com. Um, and I'm have the, the kind of funny benefit of being only Ashley Berghoff in the world with my name spelled this way. So you can find me anywhere under this name. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn under Ashley Berghoff and, um, you know, easy to connect with there and would love to help however I can. So that's where people can find me. 
The only Ashley Berghoff in the world. That's quite a claim. Mm -hmm. A-S-H-L-E-E. <laughs> B-E-R-G-H-O-F-F, -F, Ashley Burgoff. Mm -hmm. well, Some unique spellings, yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. Well, thank you for joining us today from Colorado. Eureka Results is now available at Ashley's website or wherever you buy books online. I'm your host, John Saunders of the Creator Community. Keep moving forward.